time for school days. Help for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids. But I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here are your hosts, David and Danita Bailey. Well, welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-age kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. The superintendent is the CEO of a school district and responsible for implementing goals set by the board of directors and ensuring the success of our children. Today, we'll get an insider's look at how a school district is run and how decisions are made that impact the leaders of tomorrow. So, Dave, you taught for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you ever think about um, leaving the classroom and going into administration at all? I kind of know the answer, but yeah, well, <laughs> tell our listeners. I mean, well, I mean, early on, I think I was just so c- focused on teaching and just trying to learn, you know, you know, the ways of a teacher. It really wasn't on my mind. Um, and then I think as I, as I came into Mansfield and, and taught, um, I just began to observe, just really began to pay more attention to what my administrators were doing on campus. And I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe there are a couple of roles I think I could have gone into, but I think for me, um, just, you know, just identifying what my strengths are, um, I didn't want it to be just because of a title uh, to say I, I did this or I did that. Um, uh, so I kind of did, but then I saw more details. Like, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, just in my research for this episode, I've, you know, gone on several district websites, and it was amazing to me the army of people that it requires, uh, you know, above principals. You know, as right. parents, we really just think about teachers and principals pretty much. Right, right. But, you know, the army of people that are in leadership and are in, in administration, even for kind of a mid sized district like uh, Mansfield, I think we've got like 40,000 students is that about right 35,500 roughly in that range okay all right um you know so DIST has about 150,000 right right so we're kind of a mid-size and um but there's just a lot of people who do do a lot of different jobs that I was just like wow this is a lot of people and I have no idea what they do right yeah (laughs) we're gonna find out a little bit about that today right yeah I know I had a lot of support from you know from other areas of the district to come in and support me as a teacher which was really, really helpful. Um, you know, I got to see what their roles were as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah. So before we go any further, we do want to say that it does take a village. So if you hear a great nugget of advice or a great parenting tip, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days Show and the hashtag I Am School Days. And also, we do want you guys to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-431-5062. So Dave, we just heard a couple of voices and nobody knows who those people are yet. So <laughs> who do we have with us today? Yes. Okay. So um, I'm introducing Dr. Jim Fasaskas, uh, a.k.a. Dr. V., uh, he's in his 37th year of service uh, to Texas schools. He's served as an English teacher and a coach. What did you coach, Dr. V? I kind of coached a little bit of everything, primarily basketball. I grew up in a basketball huh. community and played basketball at Baylor uh, and, did you? and coached for 20 years, played back 
back with a guy named Vinny Johnson who was oh, the yeah. microwave. Yeah, he yeah. was. It was incredible. Can you dunk? Uh, I could, but <laughs> I've, I've put that in the historical. <laughs> yeah, it, that's in my that's in my rearview mirror. So. Right. That sounds like a great challenge. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to look that up. Talk to V. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's very tall. Y'all can't so. see him unless you're on Facebook. Yeah. So, but he's very yeah. tall. Okay, let, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's not digress anymore. Um, so, um, so he was a coach, and then for the first 20 years of his career, um, he taught and coached, and then moved into administrative roles, including positions as an assistant principal, assistant superintendent, associate superintendent, and then superintendent. Uh, Dr. V joined the Mansfield Independent School District uh, uh, in the May of 2009 as the associate superintendent of curriculum and instruction uh, and served in that position for three and a half years. Um, in 2013, the board named him the interim superintendent and then promoted him to superintendent of schools on July 23, 2013. Dr. V earned his Bachelor of Science degree from Baylor University, his Master's of Arts from Texas Wesleyan University, and his Doctorate in Educational Leadership from Stephen F. Austin State University. He holds Lifetime State Board of Educators certification in English. Do they still do that? Do they still mm-hmm. do they, really? Lifetime one? No. Um, they've kind of stopped doing that, but I'm still kind of one of the dinosaurs. That still wow. <laughs> 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 so technically, you could go back in the classroom right now and teach yes. a class. Awesome. Yes. All right. So. <laughs> um, health and physical education and is certified by the state of Texas as the, as a principal and as a superintendent. Uh, Dr. V and his wife, Cindy, uh, met at Baylor University and have been married for 35 years. They are the proud parents of three sons, and Dr. V and Cindy reside in the Mansfield ISD district. So it's great that you actually live in District 2, which is wonderful. Yes. All right. Well, so thank you. Yeah, well, welcome. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And also Karen Marcucci is the Mansfield ISD board president. This is her seventh year. Now you're starting your seventh year mm-hmm. on the board. Karen and her husband Todd have lived in Mansfield for more than 15 years. They have three daughters that attend school in the district. She is also a big part, big part of the leadership team that helped bring the Big Hope Mentoring Program to Alice Ponder Elementary School. She graduated from Mississippi School for Mathematics and Science. And she also went to Texas A&M University and the University of Texas at Arlington, where she received her master's in business. Um, Karen's earlier career includes working as a junior field engineer in the oil fields of West Texas. Sounds like some dirty, a dirty job. It was. I loved it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Did you wear a hard hat? I absolutely did. Oh, are you have any pictures? I, I don't have any on me, but yes, there are some. <laughs> we'll Actually, well, it was so fun. We went to a museum down at Texas A&M uh-huh. with my daughters, and they had a thing on oil drilling, and it made me laugh because my uniform from yeah. back in the day was actually part of this exhibit. So oh. I realized, oh, my gosh, that was so long ago. It's now a museum exhibit. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh, well, boy. we'll have pictures on our website later yeah. on. Doctor V. Duncan and Karen in her heart. So she worked in the oil fields of, fields of West Texas as a process engineer for Inglehard and Tecor Electronics. Tecor. Tecor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, working on her. I'm missing something here. Okay, so after birth, <laughs> so I'll move on. After the birth of her three daughters, she went to work for First Methodist um, Mansfield, where she is now the executive director of operations. So welcome, thank you guys both so much for coming. So we're gonna jump right in. We want to know from you, Doctor V, what prompted you to want to um, be a, a superintendent? You know, th- 
as we talked about, I, I was a teacher and a coach for 20 years and really loved every minute of that. Um, really thought that I would retire as a teacher and a coach. Never really had much um, much thought that I would go into administration. Mm-hmm. Um, as my kids began to get older, um, they were not interested in the sports that I coached and really had more of an academic uh, bent. And um, so I thought, you know, I don't want them to feel pressure to try to be a basketball coach's son and not, not necessarily be a basketball player. I want them to follow their dreams. And so I had a, a principal in Brock uh, by the name of Jimmy Branch, awesome, awesome, awesome guy, uh, that encouraged me to move into administration. And he, when we were a small school, about 110 kids in the high school when I first got there. And so whenever he was out for professional development, I, was, I became the administrator on duty. Hmm. <clears throat> and I found that I really enjoyed enjoyed the work and so was just encouraged by uh, people that I had worked for and uh, made the decision to move into administration and just uh, got lucky to be in the right place at the right time when Mansfield was looking for a superintendent so uh, I feel very blessed to serve this wonderful district. All right and Karen what made you want to be on the board? So, um, you know, kids motivate you to do a lot of crazy things. And so I have uh, twins, right. <laughs> I have twin daughters um, that do attend school in Mansfield ISD and I have a younger one as well. But when the twins were getting ready to go into public ed, I was really surprised that in Mansfield, people were telling me that the school that my daughters were to attend was not a very good school. Mm. And it was something that I should um, look at having them moved. And I tried to understand that a little bit more. And I went and toured the school. And I was so impressed with the teaching that was going on inside of that school, but the school itself was not in great shape. Mm. And so I learned more about um, a bond election that was going to be held that would look at rebuilding um, some of those elementary schools that really weren't in peak condition. And it really stirred something inside of me. Growing up in Mississippi in public education, I know how important education is for kids. And I thought, I, I if I live in Mansfield ISD, I need to make sure that um, every school provides opportunities that I want for my kids. I mean, I really do think collectively for the good of all of children that we have. And I had a lot of options where my kids would go to school. I mean, we could afford private school if we wanted to. We could have afforded to move houses, but that's not always the case for everyone. So I really, right. really felt passionate about making sure that Mansfield ISD provided good quality education for every student that was there. And I learned more and more about what the board's responsibilities were and what was going on. And I found out that one of the um, sitting board members was thinking about not running for re-election because she had been on the board for a number of years. And I loved her. I thought she did such a great job. And so... I kept praying about um, somebody to fill that spot to keep the good work going on that she was doing. And then um, I went and heard my preacher preach about um, Nineveh. And he was talking about Jonah and the whale. And he asked us, what is your Nineveh? What is the thing that God has called you to do that you're not doing? And uh, my husband looked over at me and he said, you're going to run for school board, aren't you? And I said, wow. I, think, I think I need to. And so at that point, I really did think it's out of my hands. If the voters don't vote for me, then it's a clear sign. But if I don't take the opportunity, I'll always wonder what was to be. And so I ran for school board and was elected and really just wanted to continue the good work that had been started by the previous boards and make sure that we were providing good quality education for all of our students. And that's still what drives me to this day. I mean, that's why I continue to serve. Yeah, it's interesting how for both of you, it wasn't necessarily aspirational originally. It was like, I'm going to run, become a, um, my goal was to become a superintendent and I'm going to 
but as circumstances in life evolved and you kind of walked into different roles, you began to realize that this is this is where I'm called to be, and, and, and here you are. That, that, that's awesome. That's there, awesome. Was, there was a motto, if it's going to be, it's mm-hmm. up to me. And so right. <laughs> I really it's have possible. thought about yeah. that a lot, that yeah. you know, there's a lot of personal responsibility for our community. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. great. So in your opinion, what qualifications, both of you, makes a good superintendent? I think um, most often what I hear is the ability to listen, the, you know, to be approachable. Uh, to, um, I, I had a, a, a teacher, one of my favorite stories in Mansfield is I had a, we had a teacher that we just hired from Dallas ISD and I was walking down the hall as she was stepping out into the hallway at her school and she looked at me and she goes, are you, aren't you Dr. V? And I said, absolutely. And she goes, where's your security team? And I went, <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> and, she, and she said, I've never worked in a district that where the superintendent didn't have security. And I said, well, I've never worked in a district. I'd never want to work in a district where I felt like I had to have security. And she goes, can I take, can I take your picture? Can I I take a selfie with you and send it to all my friends in Dallas? They won't believe that, that you were just walking down the hallway. And to me, that's the very natural way. You, you have to be approachable. You have to be visible. Uh, you have to listen. Um, and so I, I think those are all just personal traits, very, very simple personal traits, the golden rule. You have to treat others as you want yourself to be treated. And I I think those are just the simple fundamentals that that do make a good superintendent. And I look back on superintendents that I had that I thought were incredibly effective, and that that was something they all shared. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very approachable, um, very down-to-earth. and, and those types of things. I think that's just a, the qualities of a good leader mm-hmm. in any aspect. I, I think so too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen, um, can, I, can I ask a question? No. Mm-mm. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, we'll forget you then. All right. Um, so, uh, Karen, what are the responsibilities of the school board? So the school board responsibilities really are the hiring and firing of the superintendent, so the management of the superintendent, as well as approving the budget. I mean, those are really our primary responsibilities when you get down to it. Um, We set the overall vision for the district. I think it's real important to remember that school board members are not educators. I mean, I do not have any educational background at all, but I do have a strong sense of what I want my children to learn and what I would like for our community uh, to have their students learn Mm -hmm. and so uh, that's the most important thing is that we try really hard not to get into the day-to-day operations but we try to give aspirational thoughts to the superintendent so for example our vision 2020 right Mm -hmm. um, that was a good example of that where we made it very clear that we wanted all of our kids reading you know on or above grade level by third grade we have no idea how that gets done we just (laughs) know that that's a really important thing for our kids to know we want them to be involved in extracurricular activities and so we give those responsibilities to the superintendent and then he figures out how to make it happen and then what we do is we um, monitor and see if he's doing what we've asked him to do and the other part of that is we have to make sure that we resource him properly so again we talked about the budget so um, you know we can give him a list of a hundred things but realistically he's not gonna have the resources to do that so we kind of have to manage those things Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things where you say okay uh, Dr. V, we want you to do this. Yes. Uh, make it happen. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> However, and then we and then can. we back off. Ideally, mm-hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Ideally. So, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, baby. You, you know how you know how I do. I'm, I'm working so, out. So I'm, I'm fascinated here. So, so if, if they give a, an initiative, um, 
how how do you guys work in concert with one another to say like if you say you know i don't know that's a good idea or not uh so like how does that how does how does that relationship work with you guys well we don't do that in a vacuum no and i think one of the things that makes men's field so special is i'm going to take vision uh 2020 as an example Mm -hmm. um there were about 10 or 15 different uh community groups that laid eyes on that before we ever took it to the school board the first time there were rotary clubs there were there were preachers there were um there were community members there were pta moms the education foundation board some teachers some students Um, we had a lot of people really look at that as a rough draft and kind of give us feedback before we ever went to the board with it and then the first time we showed it to the board we were able to say we've had about 250 members of our community uh, look at this give us feedback this is our best recommendation on what we feel like we the direction we feel like we need to go please think about this give us your feedback and so we give the board a month or two uh, to take it and go talk with their constituents Mm -hmm. and then once that's accomplished the board brings it back and then they voted into policy which I'm just going to tell you um, that's the real power of the school board, the ability yes. to put something in board policy. If Because once it's in policy, we all are required to follow it. That's, that's mm. a, I, I laugh and say that's the 800-pound gorilla that a, that a school board has is the ability to put something in policy. And so yeah. they adopted our, our strategic plan into policy. And so I think that's one of the things that makes our board so good um, is – Every major decision that we've made in the last several years has had tremendous um, community input. And I'll talk more about that as yeah. we progress through this show. Yeah, that's but, great. But that really is the key right there is that it's not just a board of uh, individuals that are making these decisions. We truly, truly try to represent the interested parties and make sure that we're clearly reflecting the goals of our community. Oh. Oh, and I want to mention also is that when you say you've reached out the commu- to the community, these are not just parents. Just no. because this is a school, we've got businesses and um, organizations and whatnot that you have a relationship with um, and that you want to find out what their uh, th- what their thoughts are. And, and why is that? Well, we have, why tax- is it not just we have taxpayers that fund mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get taxes from a lot of places. And so we have a strong obligation making sure that our taxpayers get um, some value for their money. I mean, mm-hmm. we take that very, very seriously. And again, you know, we're cr- trying to create um, tomorrow's leaders. We need people um, that are going to be able to lead uh, in our city councils that are going to be able to lead in our restaurants and lead into all the businesses that we have. And so um, we, we're just obligated our community to make sure that they've got a workforce that's ready for them mm-hmm. and a huge part of my role and a requirement from the board is that i'm active in in the community um, just as an example i serve as the president-elect of the mensfield methodist hospital system board or the local board and then the, i'm on the methodist system board i'm an ex-officio member of the mensfield chamber of commerce um, i'm an ex-officio member of the mensfield education foundation board I regularly attend, I don't go to every meeting, but I try to be a regular attendee at the Mansfield Minority Chamber um, so that I get a broad base uh, yeah. collection of group of people who 
who know me and trust me and I know them and I have that relationship and I can pick up the phone and say, I want you to look at something, give me your feedback as a parent or as a business owner or as a grandparent or as a just a just a taxpayer. And so being out and being visible is um, gives me that opportunity a lot. And it's an expectation that the board has. It's part of my contract. Um, wow. And so it, it's um, and it really helps. It's important. Yeah. Well, just as an aside, uh, we were in church was that three weeks ago worshiping and. I look up and I'm like, is that Dr. V over there? Mm-hmm. Look at that. T-Cal. <laughs> yeah, he's over here at our church, T-Cal. Shout, Shout out, out to T-Cal. T-Cal. Hey, hey. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, he, it, in, in, you know, it was just great to see, you know, uh, just, you know, in, you know, in the community and, and being there to support, you know, uh, you know, what we're doing to reach the community. We all have a different role uh, in that, but it was, just, it was just great to see you, see you there. Well, thank you, and it was a great service, and congratulations on that beautiful building, and I thank think you're you. perfectly located um, yeah. to because a lot of people are going to be moving into that area. Yes. Yes. Um, and that church is perfectly located to make a tremendous difference. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I ch- have tried to do as a superintendent uh, is once a month, um, once every six weeks at the, at the least, but once a month, I try to visit um, a church in our community that I don't regularly attend. Yeah. Um, just because I want to see our kids. I want to see mm. our uh, yeah. teach. I want to see our teachers. Um, I, and I want to have a connection to the faith-based institutions in our district. I, I, I just think it's, it's so important. I, I think there are five things that make a great community. They, people have to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have great city government. The infrastructure has to be there. There has to be great health care. There have to be incredible faith-based institutions, and they ha- there has to be a really great school system. Mm-hmm. And if you have all of that, then you have a desirable place to live and yeah. grow and raise your family. And I think that's one thing that makes the Mansfield ISD community mm-hmm. so strong. I mean, you, you look at where TCAL came from to where it is today, and then you vision where it's going to be in 15 years. Yeah, It's going to be a powerhouse. Already oh, is, wow. but it's going to be a powerhouse. And yeah. so I want to support Paul. And I want to support um, the the people who are doing great things in our community. Yeah, so. we appreciate that. Well, and we really recognize, too, that our community, even though we're the Mansfield Independent School District, is much larger than just Mansfield. Right, and so right. we try really hard to be connected to all of our communities that are represented by our students because yeah. there's a lot of diversity. Good point. So we've talked a little bit about it. What is your job? What do you do? You come what does the day look like? Mm-hmm. Open your door and... right. Surprise. <laughs> it's, um, it, and it varies depending on um, what happens. I, I mean, and I, that's that's really not a very intelligent comment. I just said <laughs> it varies depending on what happens. But, but, it, but it's the truth. But typically, um, my primary responsibility, I'm, I'm going to use an analogy, I'm going to use a great analogy that, that kind of describes what I think a big part of my job was. I, I ask our principals, had all of our principals, all of our senior leaders, campus leaders, everybody in a building at one point, and uh, I asked them, I said, okay, I'm going to I want to talk to you a little bit about leadership. Let's, let's go on vacation. I want you to write down where, where you would like to go on vacation and when. And then I got them to stand up, and I said, okay, if you're going to the mountains, head to that wall. If you're going to the beach, head to the back wall. If you're going out of the country, head to that wall. If you're just doing a staycation, then come up here. And we were scattered all over the room. And then so I brought them back together, and I said, okay, now, if you're going in September, October, or November, go there. And we you know, just did the calendar. Yeah. And we were spread all over the room. And that's a lot like leadership. Mm. Because if I, I tell you we're going to educate students <laughs> 
just like we're going on a vacation, everyone's idea and definition of education is different. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And as a leader, my job is to set a direction so that we're all working together. So to end that little exercise with the, with the leadership, I said, okay, we're going to Hawaii in July. Now, everybody knows when we're going, July 4th. We're going to come back July 10th. Everybody's packing stuff to go to the beach. Everybody's going to arrive at the same time. We're all going in the same place. Well, it's the same thing. With Vision 2020, we've set, we've defined what our priorities are. Mm -hmm. So everything is aligned. So a big part of my job is to align the system. Mm. And if I can align the system, then we're going to increase our results. Um, and I think that's a very, very important thing. I'm also responsible for the day-to-day -day operations, handling issues, um, hiring and, and recommending principals, uh, signing off and approving teacher hiring. So just the day-to-day -day operations of that. If there's a problem, I need to get it solved or I need to find out what happened. Um, so the board doesn't get, really get itself involved in day-to-day -day operations. You know, if your child gets a referral for being tardy and you call a school board member and complain <laughs> about that, that's really outside their role because they're, they're required um, by my contract to bring those issues to me so that I can try to resolve those for the community. So, so I know that the, this uh, probably is a, an issue sometimes. Parents are not feeling heard at their school. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've gone through the proper channels, and they want to take it all the way up to you. What What are good reasons for a parent to call your office? Um, honestly, I think a good reason for parents to call my office is, is if they feel they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. Because I can get involved and ensure that w the board has a policy and a procedure that's in place that allows the parent to be heard. And if they disagree with the local decision at the campus or the administrator, there's a process to appeal that. And so, um, I, you know, that's one of the things that, that I think our board expects of me and that, that I expect of myself is if I get an email or a phone call from the parent, I ensure that they're contacted. And, and it's an important piece. So I would say any parent who fit and I can always guarantee that they're going to get what they want, but I can guarantee you that we're going to get back to them and get them an answer. Okay. That's so. great. And what are reasons to come to you, to the board? So, um, I will tell you that, um, so when parents come to me, um, and they've got, you know, kind of a day to day operational issue, um, I do refer them back to our process that we have. And that's really important because if they, we don't follow that process, if it does become to the board, you know, if they disagree um, with those final decisions, they want to bring it to the board, we have to recuse ourselves and we can't uh, weigh in on that issue because mm -hmm. uh, we didn't let the process okay. do its job. And wow. so that's really, really important. Um, I like to hear from the community when they're telling me about um, things that are working or things that aren't working. So they know what our goals are and um, I, I want to hear from parents when they um, tell me you know I know that you're looking at schools of choice and um, have you considered looking at this type of school of choice you know that's really a big need I see in our community for the following reasons and they give me some things like that that I can bring back and think about as we're looking at how we're going to increase you know educational opportunities for our students um, that's when I like to hear from them uh, what what's working what's not working but not about specific situations if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. generally is a community, yeah. the direction that we're headed and where they see the pitfalls or where they see the opportunities. So more district issues. More district not issues. My child didn't 
blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Because again, um, we're not educators and it's really great to hear from um, people in our community that are experts in their area and figure out how the school district can better address the needs that they have in their particular area. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say that um, that's not necessarily the case with all boards. There are boards that have educators on there. And I, I do want to um, ask you. But that's not our primary role. That's not your role to be an educator. Right. I get right. that. Yeah. Um, and I've asked this before. We had a whole show um, with school board members. And, you know, just as a voter, I, w- I always wonder how to best vote um, so that my children are impacted and my community is, is positively, positively impacted. So as a voter, I would think that if the board member has an educational background, then that's the person I need to vote for. So what, what do you say about that? I don't think that that's necessarily um, a positive or a negative. Um, the positive side of that is that they're already familiar with the languages and the things that are going on. And hopefully they have a good, strong understanding of the board role versus um, the superintendent role and the role they need to play. However, where it can get a little bit difficult is if they feel like they have a um, very strong knowledge, let's say, in something like um, special education or some mm-hmm. special needs education and things like that, it, they may have a tendency to overstep their bounds. So where That's we have point. told um, the superintendent that we want all of our students reading on or above grade level, I mean, that includes our special needs kids. Um, the board has to be careful that that particular board member doesn't come to the superintendent and say, hey, this program is really the best program and that's where we need to invest our money Mm. because that's not our job. The superintendent is supposed to evaluate the curriculum that's out there and, you know, come to us with the recommendation. And if we don't let him fully do his job, we can't hold him fully responsible for the results. That's so interesting. And so it is really interesting to think about that. So I do think that when you're looking at board members, you really need to look, and we're trustees, that's one thing I want to rep- want to talk about is we're not representative, we're trustees. And the difference in that is that when people vote for us, they're voting for someone that they think can make the best decision for the kids at that moment. So as we gather more information, as we learn more things, we're entrusted to make the right decision. We're not right. supposed to represent our community. We're supposed to be entrusted to make the best decision, if that mm, makes sense, yes. the difference that's there. And so they really want to look at somebody that's involved in the community, that has you know good um, community relations with people, somebody that's approachable, that they could share their concerns with, but also someone that is willing to um, either support or change the vision. They should be talking about big pictures. They shouldn't be talking about special groups and kids. They should be talking about kids in general that all attend that particular district and what they would like to see for those students in that district, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Real quick, let's say um, we we want to take a quick break to say that if you have any questions or comments, you want to share your experience or anything like that, please feel free to give us a call at 214-431-5062. I was just going to say, though, an educational background certainly doesn't preclude someone from serving on the Absolutely board. Absolutely not. Daryl Sneed, who is on our board, was a longtime um, educator, coach, teacher, administrator, um, and you know, just really had a, a dominating win to be elected to the board and has done a remarkable job as a board member. And so I know many school districts uh, around us have former educators, uh, teachers, um, you know, Arlington ISD has former teachers on their board. Duncanville ISD has former teachers on their board as well. So that certainly doesn't preclude them from serving. Yeah. 
Absolutely, but I wouldn't say that that's a necessary requirement either. And even for people that are looking to run, I would hate for someone to think, oh, well, yeah. I just don't have the experience to be able to do that. Because I'm, I'm sure that people think that, but um, you know, one of the things you, you guys have to do is handle budgets. So somebody with a finance background is important. Mm-hmm. These are just the things that I learned. You know? Yes. Right, from the last episode. Right. From the last episode, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so on what criteria does uh, the board evaluate the superintendent? So... Um, that varies from district to district. I mean, the, the way that they go about doing um, their um, evaluations. But we're very clear with uh, Dr. V. He actually um, receives a list of goals that we have. We're, we're in the process of kind of changing things a little bit with that right now. But we do have a list of um, goals that we would like to see achieved. And then at the end of the year, we simply look down at the evidence and see if he was able to accomplish those goals or not. And what we're working on right now is a um, um, through the Texas Education Agency called Lone Star Governance. And we have um, um, some goal progress measures that we're looking at. And then that's what the superintendent would be evaluated against. But uh, one of the things that we did to improve transparency is we have a scorecard mm-hmm. um, that is on our website. That is one of the key tools that we use to evaluate the superintendent um, to see where he is and the goals that we've set for him. Um but that, I mean, we're very clear and transparent on the way that we evaluate them. I mean, those those goals are shared and we score them. And I don't think it's ever a surprise when you go in there what, you know, what our comments are going to be because we've been working on those all year and we look at them on a regular basis. And that's true. And so we once we agree on the goals, um, then the board, they're called essentially board priority goals, mm-hmm. which is what the board expectations are. Mm-hmm. Um, then once... Once we've agreed to that, uh, then those board goals become m- my direct reports goals. So if it's a curriculum instruction goal, then it becomes the goal of the person who oversees curriculum instruction. If it's student services, then it goes to student services. And so it really filters it, its way down the organizational chart and becomes a district goal. And so, and that's really a, a, a good definition of a coherent system in mm-hmm. my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how we get everybody to vacation the same day, so, <laughs> the same location. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, Doctor B, how do you ensure that those goals are being implemented? So they come, you know, through your office to the different uh, area superintendents, which goes down to the coordinators and principals, and ultimately down to the teachers and all and then resulting in you know something with the students spending upon if it's, if it's academic per se or whatever the department is how how do you ensure that those actually actually being implemented and executed to so that they're being achieved i'll give you i'll give you a great example okay um a couple years ago one of the goals was to get a handle on workers compensation um our workers compensation dollars what we were paying out for injured employees um was had really risen um and was really really high and so our goal was to put in training programs that would reduce workers' compensation. So the person who oversees that particular part of the district has to report to me quarterly on how many injuries we've had, what type of training we've had, and what part, how much money that we've had to uh, spend on workers' compensation. So we have a reporting system. It's called a cadence of accountability is, is the term that we use in Mansfield. But we hear quarterly reports on how we're doing on each one of those goals. They may not all be at the same time, um, but if we're tracking reading, then we get quarterly reports about what our reading scores are looking like. If we're tracking uh, workers' compensation, then I'll know quarterly, are we on track? 
Are we over budget, under budget? How are we doing? What types of training that we're doing? And so that's another big part of my role. I don't, I don't, I'm, wasn't raised um, in the maintenance and facilities piece of it. Right. But we have somebody who's incredible at that, and but that person reports back to me. So I have to make sure that the systems are in place so the experts um, who run those divisions for our district are reporting back to me, and then I'm reporting back to the board. Yeah, well, I had a paper cut one year. At, oh, no, really, it, it was it, it was a Donna Shepard. I was cutting one day. <laughs> no, it, it, it went, you know, it went, and like, you know, I felt like, oh, wait, this is not a regular cut. I felt like this is, next said, whoop. So thank you for that uh-huh. uh, help. And I was able to get my, my cut taken. You remember that? So, day? I do. So, yeah, it hurt. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you for, uh-huh. for doing that. Uh-huh. It, it had personal impact to me personally. I don't but, think it's a, pa- was it a paper cut? Well, not paper cut. Paper cut. Paper, paper, no, paper cut or cut. Right. Okay, that's a big difference. That's yeah. a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's like you got, it's not like I'm a worker's comp for a paper cut. Yeah. Okay, well, I meant to say paper cut or cut. It makes it sound like a wimp. Like, oh, this guy had to get, anyway. Another quick question. So, yeah, paper cut or cut, everybody. So, what happens if a goal is not being met? Let's say whatever the respective department is, and they come back and say, "Okay, we say we're going to be here, and it's not being like it's not we're not where we want to be." What what happens then? We try to operate with a continuous improvement model, and so if the data comes back and it's below, we try to do uh, just a simple root cause analysis to try to figure out what happened and why, and then we try to take corrective action. But the thing that I love about our board and about the Mansfield School District is is we don't just wait for the final data. Right. We're we're tracking mm-hmm. data as we go. I mean, um, you know, if you're trying to lose weight and you don't weigh yourself along the path, you just <laughs> wait till the end of the year to determine whether or not you're making progress. You're probably not making progress. Right. So right. You have to track yourself along. And we have a really, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a really good system in place to track that data. So hopefully we would have known um, in November or December or January that the trend lines were not supporting improvement and we try to do something different at that point um, rather than just wait till August till we get the final data or the final scores or whatever that is. Um, but in the event all of that fails and we didn't show improvement then we have to do a self-analysis root cause analysis and 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 kind of have that plan do study act okay that didn't work let's not do the same thing again let's do something different to try to get better and, and that's where the board tries to hold them hold the superintendent accountable to and at that point you know that's where we have to make the decision on the superintendent's evaluation you know do we want to renew his contract another year do we think that he has it in him to improve or do we need to cut our losses I mean fortunately uh, we uh, are looking at this all year long and so we feel very involved with the improvement process and when we're not seeing the progress we want to see we ask what resources do you need how can we help change this and um, at that point Dr. V will come to us with his root cause corrective action and let us know if it involves um, a need and resources or um, you know just a different way of looking at things yeah I'm glad you brought up the the subject of resources you mentioned earlier bonds a lot of people don't know what that is what are bonds and how do they impact the community I think a a simple way to understand that is um, bonds are essentially the district's mortgage Mm-hmm. Um, we borrow money to build our facilities, and the voters have to approve that before we're able to do it. Um, so that's essentially when we go out for bonds, 
that money can only be used for facilities and capital improvements and those types of things. It can't be used to pay salaries. It can't be used to uh, fund um, field trips or anything like that. It's essentially our mortgage payment uh, is what that is. And then the, the tax dollars that we all pay, your, your taxpayers, we're taxpayers, board members are taxpayers in our district, fund the day-to-day -day operations of our district. Okay. And so when you know, we've heard of this no increase bond, can you explain what that is and how that impacts me as a so, taxpayer? Okay. Can you explain a little bit when you say no increase? So we know that there's this period of time that the bond needs to be paid off. Mm -hmm. And in theory, when the bond is paid off, then our taxes should go down. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So uh, we've heard on the ballot sometimes there's a no increase uh, bond. So saying our taxes are not going to increase. Is that true? And how does that work? Uh, you know, and th so... I think that's a little bit of a misnomer, and I think it's kind of a misdirection play, honestly, when, mm -hmm. when, when communities and, and schools say that, no increase. Because um, really what they're saying is your taxes are not going to increase, but the years that you're paying that are going to mm -hmm. increase. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, if, you, if, you, if we're paying 40 cents on the dollar for a bond um, – and we pay that off, then that 40 cents should go away eventually. But right. if we pass another bond, you're going to continue to pay that. So they say no increase. And what they're saying is your, your ta your, what we're charging you is not going to increase, but it does because it extended Time longer. Right. Right. It'd be like paying off your car and a, a month before you pay off your car, you go get another car. Well, Absolutely. your car payment may not increase, but you're mm -hmm. paying on it for another 10 years. Right. And we happened with our minivan. Actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just did that. So uh, We try really hard not to advertise like that. We try okay. to be yeah. a, a much more above board. And I will say that, um, you know, our staff is going to recommend to our board um, that we lower our INS tax rate this year. So we, nice. we're going to be able to drop it a penny. So, And that's uh, that's a full year and a half before we thought we would be able to do that. So that's a good thing. It so. is a good thing. So when I see a bond is going to be on the ballot, what kind of things do I need to consider if I'm going to vote yes or vote no for that? Well, <laughs> that's a loaded question for a board <laughs> member because the board members, we actually vote um, to – put it on the ballot or not. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you as a board member, um, I would never want to put anything on the ballot that won't pass. Mm. Um, so I take that responsibility very personally. And I want to make sure that we've done everything we can to maximize the use of our current facilities and make sure that there's a real need for what's going on. And the other part of that is, again, we talked about the community and uh, the community buy-in that we have. That bond committee um, has already had more than 100 people working on that to prioritize the need um, to make sure that we're buying the things that we most need for our district, you know, to help us in the immediate years. And so I will tell you that um, uh, if there's a bond on uh, the ballot in Mansfield, I'm going to say vote for it. <laughs> because really? I know the work that's gone on it, on um, that it's it's really needed for the district for, for future growth. But as a taxpayer, just make sure that that due diligence has been done. Yes, because we, we do yes. have people that are listening that aren't outside yes. of Mansfield. We actually yes. have people in all over the country listening yes. and all over the world. And they just so. need to make sure that that same due diligence has mm -hmm. been done. They need to make sure that, um, that the board has thoroughly looked at what the needs are and that they They've been prioritized by the community as well as um, by the by the district itself, and making.
making sure that we're fully using the resources that we currently have. And one of the things that I'll say that Mansfield ISD does that's a little bit different than other districts is um, our finance department is phenomenal. They're always looking to figure out if they can refund bonds and try to get the best value. And so just making sure that the finance department has done their due diligence to make sure that there's you know not an opportunity for refunding and things like that to help them uh, reduce the need for that bond. Mm -hmm. And I would say to anybody that's out there listening um it's it's bonds in texas it, it's called a levy in other parts of the mm. united states mm -hmm. yes. so there's a Good. different name for it yeah texas but, is different but i think the key to it is did the committee that recommended that bond was that a bunch of administrators in a room mm. and if that's the case that's a negative thing in my mind mm. or is it a bunch of citizens that include grandparents who don't have kids in schools taxpayers yes. who own businesses parents of all levels students and our the bond that we recently passed that we're that we're using to build schools in the playgrounds and, the, and those types of things there was an 80 member committee that included some administrators, some teachers, some community members, some community leaders. Um, and so I didn't even go to every one of those meetings because I didn't want uh, our community to feel like I was influencing yeah. what the committee recommended to the, mm -hmm. to the board. So everything is, everybody puts in their ideas for what they want to have included on the, on the bond. The citizens committee and the, com the bond committee prioritizes and and narrows it down to what we can afford we survey our community based on that recommendation and we get survey data back uh, about what they like and what they don't like it yeah. then the the committee goes back and rearranges based on the feedback from the community then we take it to the board and the board gives feedback they are duly elected by our taxpayers and so they give feedback on what they think about it and then at some point the board either has to vote yes we want to go out for the bond or no we don't then once that's approved we did a hundred meetings in our community mm -hmm. to wow. communicate exactly what we were going to do we have a huge bond website on our district where anybody can track every dollar that we've spent and so I think Mansfield does it right. Um, and so that's what I would want to know if I were a taxpayer. Is it done by the community? Is it recommended from a, a group of com a community members? Um, how will we know? How will we track how the dollars are being spent? Those are the things I would want to know. Absolutely. And um, you mentioned something great. Um, find out if it's just a bunch of administrators in a room making a decision in a vacuum. Yes. Or if the community is involved. What's the best way to find that out? It, I would ask. I would call the superintendent or, or talk to the board members. Yes, okay. that's that's a great board member question. Okay, so. <laughs> great. Okay. Well, we we don't have a whole lot of time, but um, what I do want to find out is if you had no budget constraints, both of you, what would you change or implement? Go ahead. So, uh, so one of the big things that um, has been a challenge for us as a board is we want to give our parents as many opportunities for educational choices for their students. And that has been a real financial challenge for us. And so that's one of the things that I would want to do is just to be able to meet our community desire to have a fine arts academy and to have, you know, all these different schools of choices for their kids. I think that would be a real neat opportunity. The other thing that I would really like to do is um, be able to work with our educators and help put together a school day that um, really benefits them as far as having proper time to be able to plan 
properly plan their lessons and get and be able mm-hmm. to engage with parents and be able to teach, you know, be able to balance that because that's a real yeah. challenge. I would love that. And I would also like to be able to um, have more educational coaches uh, that could work with our teachers to help them make sure that they're um, properly engaging the kids with the latest um, information and technology that's out there on how students learn. Yeah. I mean, those are just a few things that come to the top of my mind. You're getting some Facebook thumbs up on that, by the way. <laughs> What what we see, um, about six years ago, we looked at where we were academically in Mansfield, and we we established in comparison with the schools that are around us, but then also with schools that were doing better than us at the time, Um, and they might be in different parts of the state, but they look like us, but they're, they're, for some reason, they're, they're performing better than we are. And so we went to study those schools. And what we found was that they had more coaches, teacher coaches, Mm. um, that could go in and teach the teachers how how to teach certain concepts and help the teachers become familiarized with the changing standards. And so our board made a real commitment to double the number of content coordinators and teacher coaches that we had. and so, and what we saw in the last, or what we've seen in the last five years is those school districts that were performing better than us are now not performing better than us because we've, we've passed them. Wow. And it, it's so having support for the teachers, um, giving the teachers smaller class sizes with time to plan together, um, those types of things with an unlimited budget, that, that would be the one thing. The other thing. Uh, to me, and in in our day and age, um, you know, our board committed um, a year ago to put an armed security officer in every one of our schools, hmm. uh, and so adding and enhancing security for our for our students. You know, when the parent drops her or his child off um, at one of our schools, they shouldn't have to worry about, okay, is my child safe? Right. And, and, and so and we've we've taken steps to make our schools safer. Yeah. And with an unlimited budget, I would even enhance that even more. Mm. So. But it's really about student outcomes. I mean, that's really what our focus is, is how can we best serve the students to help them reach their potential? And so that's where we'd want to spend our dollars. Absolutely. That begs another question that we probably don't have a whole lot of time for, <laughs> which is uh, we can't get into that. I was going to ask about state testing and. If, that, oh, if oh, we could yeah. do away with state testing and have some sort of other form of accountability, how would that change things? Well, I can tell you that our district is, is really tr- doing that. Um, we're working on Vision 2025, which is trying to define what college-ready, career-ready, and life-ready looks like. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's and good. so yeah. based on our community values, and so each child will have a scorecard. When you go to a conference, that your child will be able to lay that out in front of you and, and you'll know where they are on the college ready or the career mm-hmm. ready or life ready standards. Um, I will say one thing about state testing though, man, education is expensive mm-hmm. and our, our community has to know whether or not they're getting value for that. Absolutely. So I, I'm actually, I don't agree with everything, but mm-hmm. this is the way Texas is keeping score mm-hmm. and we better pay attention to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what, if you don't think Texas is, in, I mean, state testing results are important. Ask any realtor out there when you come to sell your house. Oh yeah. That's right. All right. And when you're trying to buy a house, you're looking at test scores. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm proud to say that, you know, Mansfield does really well in that area. Mm-hmm. And, 
and I think it's really important and so does our board. So we believe in accountability to taxpayers and that's the easiest way to do that but I do like the more portfolio based approach you know where you can show the growth that the students have. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's one of the things that's key and we do have some uh, like my youngest daughter is over um, at the Jerry Knight STEM Academy and it's really interesting because that's part of what they're working on with her is we do have the state of our scores but she's actually putting together a portfolio mm-hmm. so that we can see her growth in the subjects over time mm-hmm. and so I think there's some real opportunities for that but again that's very time and resource intensive and so it's really difficult for like for a high school student teacher to be able to do that with more than you know 100 students to help them with that but that would be ideal I think is just being able to show that growth yeah absolutely and I I mean as a taxpayer and as a mom I am a big believer that we have to hold our schools accountable I think that we're not getting it right and I you know we've we've spoken to enough administrators and teachers on this show just to know that you know there do need to be some changes and I know that we continue to make changes but just was curious if you could have it your way well parent well parents should engage at that too because Mm -hmm. I will tell you that there are certain subjects that my kids are good at Um, you know they're better at some than others and so I want to at least see growth and so I don't always just take the score that's on there I mean that's where the parent teacher conference comes in right Right. Mm -hmm. can you show me how my student has grown so there's already some opportunities to engage and and on a personal note you know I was a personal recipient of one of those uh, math coaches um, who really helped me become stronger you know and you know I, I felt you know pretty good about myself coming in I and mean, she's like you know what um you need to have you ever thought about this before I'm like, oh really you know um even to the point where my last year in the classroom i, I did the flipped classroom um at my school and i i never would i never would have thought of doing that before you know i was really encouraging that mm-hmm. and, and and we got some you know some great results as a result of it so um so i'm, I'm a person recipient of that push and encouragement um as a educator so no thank you on that end to help drive you know uh excellence in the classroom for all of our students yeah well unfortunately we are we are out of time that our our hour always goes so quickly so thank you guys so much for joining us this is a great show uh right now we always want to let you know what's going on with noggin so what's going on with noggin coaching david okay so um as we've been talking about in the past weeks uh, this is a great time to uh, prepare for uh, state te- I'm not state testing, uh, uh, <laughs> college entrance exams. Um, well, it's always a great time to prepare for state tests. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really going in and preparing, uh, it's not just for high school juniors and seniors, but really going in earlier on, middle school, getting ready for the PSAT 8-9, the PSAT 10, uh, and the ACT prep as well. Uh, but also it's a great time just to you know, reflect on how your child did during the school year and what are some areas that they can grow in. Monogamy, um, we can help you with that. And also just preparing, preparing and getting ahead for the school year. You know, it's never too early to get a good start. Uh, we have several clients who get started on work ahead of time. Um, and then when they come into the next school year, they've already been exposed to it. And now they're ready to hit the ground running. And I was a personal recipient of that in high school as well. And I got advanced ahead in some math classes. It really helped me out as well. So uh, if you're interested, uh, you can reach out to us at uh, info at noggineducation.com, uh, N-O-G-G-I-N, education. We would love to sit down with you and share how we can help your child grow. And with Noggin Educational Foundation, we are on week two of SPARC. That stands for Summers Producing Academically Ready Kids. This is our uh, six-week math and reading program. We serve students from low-income families. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, we would love for you guys to come and volunteer and work with students. Um, go ahead and in, um, email me at info at schooldaysshow.com. So, Dave, what's happening next week? 
So next week, uh, we are having our kid takeover episode. Uh, this is where we're taking <laughs> our students are taking over the studio, uh, like we did that back during spring break, and we will welcome uh, back in the co-host seat, uh, senior Hunter Paris, to introduce uh, one of our summer interns, um, Maya Dabney, as well, um, and then um, and also the student uh, Jocelyn. Zeppelin as well. So uh, we want to hear from the students. We want to hear their perspectives on things and, and uh, you know, just they're going to go all in. Yeah, we're excited about the Kid Takeover episode. We've invited them to talk about social media and how it impacts them socially and how it impacts them academically. So that'll be a really good show. I'm interested. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I am too. And I, I'm sad I don't get to sit in this seat, but I'll be I'll be uh, on social media talking about it while y'all are doing that. <laughs> so as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and really any place that you download your favorite podcast. And also, we always want you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation, that's N-O-G-G-I-N. Right now I'm posting a lot of cute pictures of kids so you can see that we do a lot of fun, hands-on math and reading activities and games. And um, yeah, go ahead and like our stuff and, and, um, and follow us on that. And the last thing we always want to end with is that we are parenting by grace. David and I depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, email us at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.